Okay, so we are in a series called Experiencing God. And uh, these last several weeks we've had together, we've had the opportunity uh, not only to do a workbook, but hopefully, truly experience God in a new and fresh way. And uh, for everyone in this room, we've been in the last, last week and then this week, we're talking about this idea of when God speaks. That there are times in our life when God speaks very clearly. And we said this last week, that God speaks today through the Holy Spirit to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. And what's interesting about this is he speaks many different ways. Now, could God speak through a burning bush today if he wanted to? Absolutely, right? Could God incarnate come down from heaven like he did with Paul and speak to us just like that? Could he do that? Absolutely. But here's what's pretty amazing. We think about examples like that in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. We think, man, I wish God would speak like that today. And here's the truth. God has given us this person called the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, look, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to reside in every believer. And when he does that, when he begins to take up residence in our lives when we choose to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit uses, and you've read these this week, he uses the Bible, he uses prayer, he uses circumstances, and even the church to speak to our hearts. So yes, God can speak through a burning bush, God can audibly speak to us, but God also, and probably more often than not in this time we live in, God speaks through Bible, God speaks through prayer, he speaks through our circumstances, filtered through the word of God. He even speaks through the church, that even this morning, we believe this, that if the Holy Spirit of God is residing in you, that God could speak to you right here and now, in this moment, right here in this message. So the question to ask for us is not, how is God going to speak? That's, that's kind of irrelevant. The point is not how God is going to speak, or the question is, does he speak? That's not a question. We know he does. So the question I want you to ask yourself this morning is this. If God still speaks today, why don't we hear from God? Here's, here's the truth. For some of us in this room, some of us in this room, we hear from God. But others in this room, maybe, maybe for whatever reason, you're not hearing from God. The question is, why don't you hear from God? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. There are many reasons where, why we don't hear from God. Many reasons. And in this time we have together, I want us to look at the life of Martha. In fact, if you look at the life of Martha, the three things that I'm going to give us today, reasons we don't hear from God, if you look at Martha's life, you can kind of see all three of these reasons in her, her life. So the first reason that a lot of us don't hear from God is this. We do not hear from God because of our sin and ourself. Our sin and ourself. 
Look with me here in Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 38. Now as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, this is what Jesus and his disciples are doing. They're going around for his three years of ministry and they are going to different places, different towns, speaking, doing miracles. All of these things are happening. So as Jesus is going on his way with his disciples, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So, so here's the truth about Martha. And it's kind of a, a thing that we just got to figure out. We have lots of stories of, of King David, right? We have lots of stories of Paul and Peter. We have two stories about Martha. Literally, just two references in all the Bible are made about Martha. And one of them is right here. So there's not a lot of accounts for Martha. Not a lot is said about her but a lot is implied. And here's what is true for Martha and what is true for each of us in this room. That Martha and everyone else's life starts with original sin. Original sin. And this is what we know to be true. Even though we don't have the account of Martha coming to Christ, we know it's implied here that she does follow Jesus. She's a Jesus follower, but there was a point in her life where she was not a Jesus follower. And at that point in her life, she had, like all of us before Christ, original sin. This idea that we are born eternally separated from God. We're born that way. We're born that way. And this sin that's foundation to us completely separates us from God where we don't hear him. And not only do we not hear him, but he doesn't answer he doesn't reply to us. And we, we know this because of what Scripture tells us. Proverbs 1, 28 and 29 and John 9, 31. They're going to come up on the screen here. Then they will call to me. God's speaking here. Then they will call, call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Look at verse uh, John 9, 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But, oh. Sorry. Sorry, where was I? We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. In fact, if you, if you want to put it this way, the only prayer that God hears before Christ is a prayer for someone saying, I Jesus, Lord, I want to repent. The prayer of salvation is, is really what we see in Scripture here, the only prayer that God really hears before Christ. This idea of original sin, this is something that limits our view. So if you're in the room today and you're just kind of thinking about Jesus and, and kind of thinking about the church thing and what that's all about, I'll, I'll tell you now, you're not going to hear from God. Because we have to deal with this problem called original sin, that we're born eternally separated from God. We're, we're separate from Him. That communication is not there yet. It doesn't exist. But it's not just original sin. It's also ongoing selfishness. Ongoing selfishness. That we are tempted to be relationally alienated from God. That even after we have a relationship with Jesus, our ongoing selfishness tempts us away from fellowship with him. 
that if you're a believer in Christ, you are sealed in Christ. Nothing can break or separate or sever the relationship that you have with Jesus, but it can break in fellowship. It can cause a break in the communication between you and your Lord. And Psalm 66, 18 talks about this, that if I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord will not listen. That people that, that, that literally have private sin in their life. You might be a believer in the room and, and you've got some sin that's not been dealt with. Maybe you have some bitterness towards some way, someone. Maybe you have a lust issue in your life. Maybe you have a pride issue in your life. And there's something there that every time you go in, into your prayer closet or, or, or time alone with God, it's just, it seems like God's not, not answering, not listening. It's because of ongoing selfishness. This selfishness that tempts us away from communication and fellowship with God. And, and I've, I've had the opportunity to be a youth pastor for several years. I was one for nine years, and, and I heard students talk about this all the time. They would come to me and they'd say, Jonathan, I just don't know if I hear from God. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not hearing from God. I, just, I hear this more often than not. I just want to know what God's will is for my life. And many times we'd get to talking and we'd say, I'd say things like, well, what's your quiet time like? Well, I, you know, I, I, I say a quick prayer on my way to school every morning. What about reading God's Word? Do you read God's Word? Not, not much. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is sin, right? Like, we're not spending time with God, so if we're not spending time with God, how can we hear from God? I know many people who have doubted their faith and doubt if God even exists. And even in that, it often boils down, not all the times, but it often boils down to this, this idea of sin that's in their lives. This sin that comes in and brings the doubt in. And the reason it brings the doubt is because there's a lack of communication, in ha communication happening between us and Jesus when there's sin in our lives, when there's selfishness in our lives. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go uh, across the ocean uh, over to the Middle East uh, with some missionary partners there. And on the way home, uh, on the flight, uh, it was like a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour flight that we had from one place to another. And I'm on this plane, and I'm, I'm sitting beside this, uh, this man uh, who's about my age, and uh, he's an archaeologist, okay? So it's like, wow, this is, I'm sitting beside Indiana Jones here. And... <laughs> He's an archaeologist, and he's an expert on all things King Sennacherib. So you can go study King Sennacherib in your own time. He's a pretty cool guy. And I said, where are you headed? And he said, I'm going to Paris to work at the Louvre, which is like this famous museum there in Paris. It's where the Mona Lisa is kept. And so we start to talk, and he tells me that he's a Muslim, and he's going to work at the museum for Muslims there in Paris. So I've got about two and a half hours on this flight. And we spend two and a half hours talking. And granted, I'm not trying to wear this guy out. He's asking a lot of questions. I'm asking a lot of questions. And we're talking. And, and we're just having this great communication. He's telling me about what Muhammad is or who Muhammad is. And I'm telling him about Isa, Jesus, who Jesus is. And we're talking about uh, the Bible versus the Quran and, and, and sharing all these different thoughts and ideas. I talk to him about my faith, and I say, you know, in my, in my faith and what I believe and what I know is true is that God speaks to me. 
God speaks to me. Not verbally so far in my life, but, but God speaks to me. He speaks to me through the Bible. And, and I'll never forget, there's this moment where he looks and he goes, and he's a devout Muslim. He says, God doesn't speak to us. God doesn't speak to us. Allah doesn't speak to us. And this is one thing we agreed on. Because this man, although very brilliant, this man was lost. This man has original sin like every one of us in the room before Christ. And this man is separated from God. That The line of communication is broken and this man doesn't hear from God. And maybe you're in the room this morning and that's where you're at. Like we're doing this experiencing God thing and you are all about experiencing God. You're doing the workbook. You're working in it every day. And, and it could be that the reason you're not hearing from God, the reason he's not speaking to you through his word, through prayer, through circumstances, through the church, all these things, the reason the Holy Spirit's not speaking to you is because maybe you're lost. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower. Maybe you are a Christian and you've got some unresolved, ongoing selfishness and sinful patterns in your life. You're not going to hear from God. And our response to that, there's only one word for some of you today. This might be the only word you need to hear today. The response to this is repent. Repent. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That for some of us today, if we, need, if we want to hear from God, we've got to repent. We've got to get this sin out of our lives. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do work on our hearts to open up that line of, of communication, that confession and repentance open the lines of communication back up. So that's one reason maybe you're not hearing from God today. The second reason, there's a second reason we do not hear from God. And if I can be honest, I'm just going to tell you, it's where a lot of us find ourselves this morning. It's where a lot of us find ourselves this morning. The second reason a lot of us don't hear from God is because of our stuff and our schedules. Because of our stuff and our schedules. Look back at verse 38 and look at what this story about Martha is. Now as they went on their way, these disciples and Jesus, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So you've got one sister listening, hearing from God. You've got the other sister distracted. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my lazy, no good sister, I'm adding there, my lazy, no-good sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her to help me. You see, here's what was true about Martha's life. Our stuff tends to dictate our 
our stuff tends to dictate our schedule. And I'm not just talking about the things we have, the things we own, although there, there is some truth to that, right? Ask anyone right now who has a nice yard, okay? Because I, I'm kind of there right now. We just had our yard seeded, you know, overseeded and aerated and all those good terms. We just had that done in our yard. And some of you, when you look at the leaves and you see them changing, you're like, wow, that is so beautiful. And I look at that too, but there's another part of me that's like, wow, I got to get every one of those leaves up in like three weeks. And it really stinks, right? Like you've got a nice yard here. You're trying to seed the yard. You're trying to get some grass to grow because all the dirt patches in the, in the yard. And just every week there's more leaves on the thing. What? Our stuff tends to dictate our schedule. The stuff of having a nice yard or trying to have a nice yard dictates the schedule for us to go and get all those leaves up. But it's not just stuff that we own. It also includes the everyday stuff of our lives, relationships, careers, school, Hobbies, sports, in this case, hosting people. Martha had stuff that was dictating her schedule. And for most of us, if we can quantify our stuff into one primary thing, one primary thing that dictates our schedule and downtime more than anything, the thing we hear from the most is not the Holy Spirit, it's not God the Father, not God the Son, not God the Holy Spirit. For a lot of us, the thing that we hear from the most, it's the mobile device. For many, this dictates our schedule. The average person won't go 10 minutes without checking this. 10 minutes. In fact, some of you were already getting perturbed at me, right? <laughs> I know you were. I intentionally wanted you to. I wanted you to open your eyes from that prayer and think, what is this loser doing? Get to it, man. And just for some of us, man, it's every 10 minutes. It's every five minutes. We got to pick this thing up. We got to pick this thing up. It's distracting. The average person spends two hours a day on social media. In fact, if you really want a Jesus moment, like a come-to-Jesus moment in your life and in your heart, if you have an iPhone, I'll go ahead and just tell you what to do. You're welcome for this. Go to settings and go to screen time. And man alive, you want to talk about some conviction in your life, it'll hit. Because we spend so much time on this little thing. The average person spends two hours a day on social media. If you're young, this is what that means. If you're young in the room, if you're not, I'm sorry, it's, it's less. But if you're young in the room, it means you're going to spend seven years of your life scrolling and tapping. How miserable. Seven years of your life. Think about it. We wake up to this. We're entertained by this. We communicate with this. We keep appointments with this. We remind ourselves to keep appointments with this. We motivate ourselves with this. Some of you, man, your whole running schedule, your whole walking schedule depends on when this thing tells you to stop walking. What an amazing helper and what a terrible distraction. 
You see, our stuff tends to dictate our schedule, and our schedule tends to generate noise. It tends to generate noise in our life. Martha had a lot of noise in her, in her world, and she couldn't just sit and listen from Jesus. She couldn't do it. So you know what she does? She does the next best thing. She blames her sister. Like, I thought, you know, you grew out of that at some point in your age. Like, our kids love to blame each other. They blame each other for everything. Martha, an adult woman, is still blaming her sister. Look at what it says. Look at what Jesus says to her in verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. This is kind of free, and I know some of you like tune out when I start this, but I want us to catch these words, anxious and trouble. Anxious, the Greek word there is marimna, marimna. And here's, here's what it translates in this way. It translates the word distracted, distracted. The word troubled here, troubled, it, it's the word therubeo, therubeo. Therubeo translates noisy upheaval, noisy upheaval. So what Jesus is saying is, Martha, you are noisily distracted. Can you picture this? Like, I, I read this, this little passage, and I think about Martha, and I'm thinking, man, can you not just see this playing out? You know, Jesus is in there lovingly teaching his disciples. Mary's sitting at his feet, listening, you know, got, you know, just completely engaged in what Jesus is saying. And you can probably imagine, kind of humorously, like, what's going on in the kitchen. Right? Like, just banging some pots around and moving some stuff around. In fact, some of you, my wife's in here, so i got to be careful with this, but... Some of you know when your spouse is angry and they don't have to say a word. Because you, the, the, the sounds in the house begin to change, right? My wife has a different walk when she's frustrated. And I can hear that walk anywhere in the house. And some of your spouses are the same way. Some of you husbands, man, you get kind of rowdy and kind of noisy in your house when things aren't going very well. I get this picture here in scripture that you know they're all in the living room having a moment and Martha's just in there banging around on the stuff noisily distracted Jesus was saying there's too much noise that distracts in your life for you to hear from me and I want you to think about this think about the noise in your own day like think about the noise you're going to hear Tomorrow, some of you, before the alarm clock even goes off, are going to wake up to the sound of this. And you're going to start your day with text messages, notifications coming in. You're going to get emails, right? Emails are going to start coming in, and when you get an email, you got to send one back out, right? So you send out the email. You start your day like this. You get to work, and you hear the chatter and the noise of people, and you get to school, and you hear the chatter and the noise of people. You keep answering notification after notification. You finish work, and you go to school or go to your son's soccer game, and you hear the noise and the chatter of the soccer game, the parents yelling. You get home. you got to mow the grass. you got to get the leaves up. You're getting all the leaves up, you finally get to a point where you have to cook dinner. So you get in the kitchen, you're working on dinner. 
You get dinner figured out. You get it finally done, and then you got to get the kids to bed. And man, the kids are just yelling at each other. It's just, it's maddening. You finally, finally get them quieted down. And then you sit down and you sit in front of the TV and you watch your favorite show to try to put out and distract yourself. And when you look at the entire day, it's just all this noise all day long. This is what you're dealing with. This noise that's in your life. And you finally get settled down. You put yourself to sleep with Netflix or whatever and you finally get asleep. And for some of you young families, the night's just beginning. No wonder, listen, no wonder we don't hear from God. Some of us can't even focus during this message to hear from God right now. We're too busy to hear anything of value. Corey Tim Boom said this, If the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Yet many of us describe our lives this way. We almost, we kind of throw it out there as a virtue. I was talking to a friend of mine. He actually works here. He's, I think he might be on the camera room. Maybe he's in the uh, live stream room, my friend Tracy. And he asked me this last week. He said, how's your week been? You know what my answer was? I've been busy. We use that phrase as a virtue. Like, it's a good thing to be busy. Like, let's be busy, let's be busy, let's be busy. And, and there's something to that, right? Like, busy about building the kingdom of God, busy about telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. But for a lot of us, our busyness is not that at all. It's something to distract us from hearing truth from God. Dallas Willard said it this way, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. So you must ruthless, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, does that mean we just drop everything in our lives to eliminate hurry? I mean, parents, does that mean we just go into our kid's room, our three-month-old's room, and like, I'm sorry, I'm eliminating hurry right now. We'll see you in the morning. No. We have jobs, we have careers, we have, we have things to do. We have, we, eventually you've got to cut the grass or Gary's going to get on you. But here's the thing. We have these things in our lives, but here's the thing. We don't have to drop all stuff, but we need to drop some stuff, right? We don't need to say yes to everything. We don't need to play or our kids play on every team or, or club, we don't need to watch every episode in one week, or for some of you, in one night. We don't need to immediately answer every notification of our phone. Instead, we strive for God's best for our lives. You see, here's what's so interesting about the Martha story here. Martha wasn't doing anything bad. Right? She's serving. She's serving. She's getting food ready for these guys. She wasn't doing anything bad, but she wasn't doing what was best. So 42, verse 42, Jesus said to Martha, One thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, Martha, you are anxious. You are noisily distracted about many things, but one thing is important right now. So what should our response be? I love what God says here in Psalm 46. He says, be still and know that I am God. Not just know facts about God. This, this, this context here is not just knowing, oh yeah, there's a God out there. It's not just that. He's saying, hey, relationally knowing God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our response should be this. In the midst of all the noise, in the midst of all the hurry, in the midst of all the busyness, be still. God wants us to still our lives and just be with him. For, for those of us that serve here at the church, like in a capacity, for those of you that serve out in the community, let me just say this. What we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. This is where he speaks. This is where we listen. It's in an intimate relationship with him. That's the relationship that we want with God. It's not just a matter of just living out our busyness all day long and trying to carve out like five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, where even in the midst of that we're multitasking. I was preparing uh, the message uh, this last week and I was on Bible Gateway and I was looking at different translations and you know that the Google knows the Google I know that's makes dates me a little bit the Google knows what you like and all of a sudden this advertisement in the middle of the Bible study this advertisement comes up for a tent and I like a tent I need a new tent because I had to just return my old one so and it knew that right so what happens I'm in the middle of studying and all of a sudden I find myself clicking the tent and looking on campingsaver.com for 40 minutes, distracted away from what was best for that moment. We have to be still. And guys, this, for me personally, this is the one that hits me the hardest. It's the one that I struggle with the most. And if this is you, I know it's easy to say, oh great, the response is be still. You got anything else for me? I do. And I want to encourage you at this. There is a, actually a Bible study that's on Right Now Media. It's coming up here on the screen. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This is the one thing about our message. You only get so much time, unfortunately. I mean, we can stay out here all afternoon if y'all wanted to. We can figure all this thing out. But truth is, I only got so many minutes and my time's eaten up. So, so here's the truth. If this is where you're at, I want to encourage you. Right Now Media, it's right there at the bottom of your handout. There's a little QR code. I want to encourage you. Click on that. Watch the Bible study. Buy the book. The book is great. I got to read it over the summer. And allow God to use that, his word, and, and even this author, to maybe speak to you some things about your busy, hurried life. Because I'm telling you, you're not going to hear from God if you have no time for God. A third reason, a third reason we don't hear from God is not because of our sin and selfishness, it's not because of our stuff and schedules. A third reason we don't hear from God is not even because of us. 
For some, we do not hear God because of God's silence and sovereignty. And this is the part of the story that's kind of difficult for some of us. Because for some of us, we don't have any unconfessed sin in our lives. Praise God for that. For some of us, we're not busy. We're carving out great time for God, and we're spending time with God, and we're making Him a part of our day. We're praying without ceasing. We got all of that going for us. And yet, for some reason, there's still silence on the other end. It could be that we're not hearing from God because of God's silence and sovereignty. Look at, turn over to John chapter 11 for just a minute. John chapter 11. I want to finish in this passage here. This is the only other account that we have of Martha. And it's kind of funny because the very last time I preached, I was in John chapter 11. And some of you are like, know that? And you're like, could you give us a better, another reference, not just the same thing every week? But I, I have a point to all of this. I want us to look at a different perspective of this famous story. Martha's brother Lazarus is sick. And in verse 3, it says, So the sister sent to him, Martha and Mary, sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Did you catch verse 4? Verse 4 is the whole reason for Jesus' upcoming delay. It's right here in verse 4. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The Bible lets us all know, the lets us know what's going on and why he is delaying. But here's the thing, Martha doesn't know it. Martha doesn't know why he's delaying himself. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's an interesting way to love someone, right? Jesus was silent in his response to Martha. There are times when God is silent. Just ask Martha. Just ask Job. Just ask the God-believing Jews for the 400 years they were waiting on the Messiah. There's a sense in which God is never silent. He's already spoken his word. The Bible, we have that. Jesus died. He was buried and rose on the third day. The gospel is good news, and good news is speech, and speech is never silent. So there's absolutely a sense where there's always a word and a revelation from God. But there's this other sense that we go through in seasons of life, and Martha went through it here, where God does not seem to respond. And for some of you here, your deafness is not sin or busyness. It's silence from God. Jesus finally responds and comes to Martha in verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had just responded to me, if you would just have answered me. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. Lord, if you would just respond, if you would just answer. This last week, I was put on to a situation 
somebody that's not connected at all to our church or anything, but it was actually uh, a medical professional, which I love this. I love that there uh, are so many medical professionals that not only have a heart for the physical well-being of their patient, they have the heart for their spiritual well-being. And, uh, and this, this medical person didn't tell me anything they couldn't tell me, but they said, I would love it if you wouldn't mind paying this woman a visit over here in a nursing home in Cherubal. I said, sure, let's, let's hear a little bit. He said, well, I can't tell you a lot. He said, um, but she's just really defeated. So I show up this week at this home, and it's not, a, it's not an 80-year-old person in the home. It's not someone who's, who's lost cognition. This is a 59-year-old woman laying in bed, and she's, she's terminal. She's laying in this bed, and she's probably never going to get out of this bed. She's been in a wheelchair for 40 years. She's laying here, and the doctors have told her, and she told me this, that if she has another stroke, she'll probably go. She'll probably die. Fully cognitive, full, full sentences, everything. She's right there with me. And she said, you know, it could be two days before I had a stroke, or it could be 20 years of being in this nursing home before I, could have, before I go on and die. And she's at a place where she lost hope. Like she loves the Lord, like she, she became a Christian when she was 12, and she was a, a, a Bible school teacher, and, and all of these things, and she talks about her life, and just all the tragedy and the suffering she's went through, and she says, I just wish the Lord would answer some prayers in my life. I just wish I could have some hope. And here's the truth about God. There are times where he does stuff that is unexplainable to us on this side of heaven. And God does give us sovereign answers. I want to give these to you. We don't have time to go through these, but I want to give these to you real quick. God has sovereign answers, and Brian Glisson actually took an entire message and did it around these answers. It's brilliant. Go watch it. It's in the series called Devoted, Devoted, and it's called Engaged in Prayer, Part 1. Go watch it online. It's, it's great. It's from a few years ago. But here are the sovereign answers that God always gives us. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. And if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. You see, for a lot of us, we have a real hard time with some of those. We can understand and fix the unconfessed sin in our lives, the busyness in our lives. We can fix that. But there are times where the timing is not right for whatever reason. There are times where we're not ready for what needs to happen. What do we do in those situations? Even though Mary fully doesn't grasp Jesus' silence, I love what uh, Martha, excuse me, I love what Martha says. Look at verse 22. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, 
God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha's perspective of Jesus changed from back when she was busy working in the kitchen. She believed in Jesus. Even if the response was not what she wanted, her perspective was eternal. That at that moment, for Martha, it was bigger than whether Lazarus came back at that moment. She says it there. She's like, you know what? There's an eternity coming, and I'm going to trust in that. Did you notice that there in verse 24? And then Jesus says in 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. You see, this is our response when it seems God is silent, when it seems like we have no answers and the fog is thick. Our response is believe. Believe. We believe and remember the faithfulness of God. Verse 38, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? This, this kind of stuff lets me know the Bible is the real deal, right? Like Because we already have this moment where Martha says she believes, and even here again, she's wavering. This human condition we have to even in the midst of our belief, waver. She's wavering here. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. Here's why. That they may believe that you sent me. This is straight from Henry Blackaby this last week. God's silence means he is ready to bring into my life a greater revelation of himself than I have ever known. Soon after, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and all that sovereign silence made sense to Martha. And there is coming a resurrection for us that will make his silences clear. That one day, when we're on the other side of eternity, when we're on the other side of this world, when we're passed through, when I think of that 59-year-old woman who's laying in a home right now wondering, will she live two days or 20 years, and will she stay in this condition? Here's what I know to be true. One day, his silences will make perfect sense to her. And they will make perfect sense to you as well. So if this is where you find yourself, have faith, be encouraged, believe in the character of who God is. So I go back to my question. Why don't you hear from God? What response is needed in your life? Is it to repent of sin and selfishness? Is it to be still and to stop your hurried life? 
It's funny, for, for some of you, and I'm not looking around, so I don't know if this is you, but I'm going to embarrass you for just a second. For some of you, this might be an indication you're always in a hurry and you're not hearing well. It might be, might not. But the minute you finish that last blank, it might be your life is too busy and too hurried to hear from God, to be still and rest in Him? Or is it to believe? Is it to believe? If you would, go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. We're about to sing a song together. The song that we're singing. Normally, Wes and I, we, we do coordinate a lot of the songs together, especially if I'm preaching. This is one we did not. And I love how the Holy Spirit just brought this all together because maybe you're in a place right now where you're not hearing from God. Listen to the words of this. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come. Maybe the change needs to be a repentance of sin in our lives. Maybe the change needs to be, I need to learn to be still in my life. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, for you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Maybe you're in a place today where things are great. You're hearing from God. His word is just coming alive off the page through the study or through your own personal study of God's word, through your prayer life. Maybe, maybe this is where you're at, and I just want to use this message today to encourage you to stay there. Stay where you're hearing from God. Stay where that's at. But for some of us in this room, maybe we're in turmoil this season because we're not hearing from God. And it could be sin in our lives. It could be busyness in our lives, distractions in our lives. Or it could be that God is choosing to be silent right now in your life. I want to encourage you today. Believe, believe the faithfulness of God. Believe that. Repent of sin, unconfessed selfishness in your life. Repent of that. And be still and know that he is God, that he is with you, that he is the God of Jacob, and he is your fortress. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of these things. We thank you, Lord, that we can hear from you, that your word is not silent, that you are not a silent, deaf, or dumb, or dead God like Allah. God, that you are alive and well and that we can hear from you today, Lord. So, Lord, if we're not hearing from you, God, reveal to us, Lord, why that is. God, help us, Lord, to be obedient in this moment, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.